I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. I hope this morning you all brought your number two pencils with you, uh, because you may not realize it. But today we're actually going to be passing out our annual Bible literacy survey. And so you should be getting a scan drawn coming down your aisle. And no, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. How many of you just panicked for a second? Okay, test anxiety people out there at all. You know, like I I love taking tests. I'm, I'm one of those weird people. Like I hate daily work, but when it comes to actually, you know, getting into a class and taking the test, I feel like I'm so prepared, like I can go in and just, just crush a test. It's just, it, I think it's something abnormal about me that God has put in me, but I just, I enjoy taking tests. Um, that might be, not be you. And the thing that I want you to recognize is, unfortunately, tests are a huge part of life. There is no one who is exempt you, d- you don't get to call up and say, you know, teacher, I've got a doctor's notice. I'm not going to take the test today. Because often we don't even realize when the test is coming. We don't see it coming until it's too late. Today we are starting, or sorry, continuing a series. I'm starting a series um, that we started last week uh, looking at the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is a powerful uh, book looking at the different aspects of creation, looking at family, looking at uh, gender identity, different things, fun things like that. You know, I know it's not in the news right now, but hey, you know, you know we're, we're going we're gonna to touch on these things anyway. Uh, different things like sin and things that apparently you're not supposed to talk about anymore. They're just, they're too controversial, but... I guess we didn't get the notice, so we're going to talk about some of these crazy items. We're going to look at some of the things. The truth is, as we look at these, it's very easy to look at our society, look at science, and, and to gloss over these and say, okay, this is no longer relevant. We, we don't need to focus on these things anymore. But when you look at Jesus, these hot-button items are all items that Jesus came back and reinforced. Jesus said, in the beginning, God created them male and female. Jesus talked about what Adam did. He talked about the flood. He talked about Jonah, which I realize isn't in Genesis, but it's another one of those really weird passages, but Jesus reinforced them. So we need to recognize there's going to be some weird passages that we come into, and we've got to recognize what we're going to do with them. We have to decide, are we going to just treat these as ancient myths? Or are they true stories that are foundational to our faith? Today, as we look at this series, I want to look at part two, which I've entitled The Image Thief. You see, Adam and Eve, they were brought into this beautiful garden. They were given dominion over everything. And they were told, you can enjoy all of this. You know, people talk about 
God being like this cosmic killjoy, that all he ever wants to do is take away your joy, to take away your fun. You know, I mean, I don't remember if Mark hinted at it or talked about it, but do you know what the first command that God gave to man was? Okay, nobody? Be fruitful and multiply. He said, hey guys, go have fun. Have lots of kids. Fill the earth. I mean, this this is not stuff people want to hear anymore. They're saying if you're being really responsible, there's people saying you you need to not have any more kids. If you're really going to be responsible, just, you know, and and I agree with them. Those are the type of people that probably shouldn't be having kids. But, um, But the truth is God told us we're to be fruitful, we're to multiply, we're to fill the earth. So, I mean, here's this crazy God saying, this is what you need to do. He only put one parameter on it. Enjoy all of this. Enjoy everything that I've put here. But I don't want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I, I, this is the one thing I don't want you to do. And it seems kind of a little bit cruel to put that kind of test in front of humanity. To say, I'm, I'm going to give you all of this, but here's something. Knowing that there was a possibility that we would choose something different. Knowing there was the opportunity planted in that garden just by having that tree there that could cause rebellion and division and death. And unfortunately, Adam and Eve weren't the only creatures with intelligence there at creation. We, we see that there was a thief that found its way into the garden. A thief that came to steal the very identity that had been granted to our first parents. So I want to read that story. It's an ancient story, but I believe it's still timely. And it's still something that we have to address in our world today. Because I believe it's still this grasping for the knowledge of good and evil that is causing us to stumble today. So if you wouldn't mind standing with me for the reading of God's word, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 3, starting with verses 1 through 5. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and this is how it reads out of the New Living Translation. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Let's pray. 
Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our eyes. That as we look into your word, that you would allow it to come alive to us. That as we're looking at this story that has been told and retold and retold for close to 4,000 years, I pray that we would be able to discern truth from this and that we could apply it to our lives. Help us to be good stewards of the image you have placed in our lives so that more of the world can see you. We love you, we praise you, we honor you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, while you're being seated, why don't you wave to a person or two, let them know that you are excited to be worshiping with them. And as you're sitting down, another quick test. This one's legitimate this time. I've got a test for all the ladies. You know what today is. Super Bowl Sunday. If you have a man in your life, you probably need to know that. Okay, but now we're going to turn the tables. Men, do you know what tomorrow is? You're welcome. If you haven't already planned, you better get out there, get some chocolate, get a car, do something. Uh, This is your uh, two-minute warning, I guess, uh, since we're in football terms a little bit. But hopefully you're going to pass that test. I believe in you guys. I believe that you will pass that test. All right. So looking at this story, we have Adam and Eve. We have the serpent who we recognize was Satan incarnate. That Satan came to tempt our first parents. And it's very interesting how he does this. I mean, first, he starts by completely lying about what God had said. He, 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 he turns it in a way, and, and the thing is, I just alluded to this a little bit ago, when people want to talk bad about God, they'll usually talk about what you can't do if you're going to be following after God. They'll point to the fact that if there really is a God, he's, he's trying to withhold something from you. He's trying to withhold something good. And so the first thing that Satan says is, did God really say you can't eat any of the fruit? Which obviously wasn't the truth. God said they could eat all of the fruit except for from one tree. Then, the Eve looks at him and says, no, I mean, that's not what God said. God said we could eat from all of the trees except for the tree in the middle of the garden. First of all, here, here's a, a quick lesson for you. When Satan starts talking, leave him alone. There's no reason to dialogue with the enemy. There's no reason to invite him to have a seat at your table. You can completely disregard the attacks of the enemy. Let, let me give you what probably will be the best advice I'll give during this time. So after this, you can completely tune out. But think about this. 
whenever you have a negative thought, ask yourself this question. Where did this thought come from? Next question you can ask yourself is, is this thought true? Asking those two questions will very quickly help you to understand, are you listening to the enemy or are you listening to God? If you're anything like me, there's probably times you doubt yourself. There's probably times you think you're not good enough. There's probably times you think you're failing the test. And there's this voice, in my head at least, that says, Gerald, you're not good enough. You're, you're, you are, you're messing up. You're messing up as a father. You're messing up as a husband. You're messing up, as, you know, there, there's all of this stuff going on. Let me ask you this. Do you think I would really want to talk to myself that way? To call myself a failure? To call myself less than? Do you think God would be saying that? Most likely not, unless I'm doing something just outrageously wrong. So that thought, more than likely, is coming from the enemy. And once I recognize that, once I recognize that's the voice of the enemy in my mind, I can say, I don't have to listen to that. It's amazing how quickly you can find peace if you just recognize who's talking to you. If you just simply say, I don't have to listen to your voice. I will only listen to the word of God. I will only listen to what God is speaking to me. Now, granted, there will be times God will call you to change something. But that's usually from a perspective of correction and love. It's never to degrading you, degrading your character. It's usually a calling to something higher, not a putting your face in what you have done. So let's be a people who recognize that. And so then, we see the biggest thing that Satan tries to do. He tells her, you don't have to listen to God. You're not going to die. But what we recognize in this temptation, and it's a thing that we need to recognize about all temptation, temptation steals identity. It steals what God created us to be. Anytime you're tempted to do anything, recognize that temptation is asking you to give up something God put in you. Any temptation, think about it. Any temptation that you face, it's, it's asking you to give up something God has placed in you. you. You have a temptation for power. That's saying, I want to get things my way rather than waiting on God and trusting that he has put something in me. You have a temptation towards sex or pleasure. You're saying, I want to forfeit God's plan for my life and fast forward to something that's going to ultimately steal from me. When Satan comes to Eve, he says, God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Do you know what's wrong with that statement? 
what Mark read last week. In the image of God, they were created. Male and female, they were created. When God created us, He created us to be like Him. He created us to be people who were full of His Spirit, who were, had the ability to have dominion over the creation He had put in place. And the temptation that Satan brings is if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. He wasn't trying to give her an identity. He was trying to steal one. He was trying to get her to buy into the lie that if you just reach out for what God's trying to withhold from you, you will get so much more. When the reality was that when they reached out, it stole what they already had. We read, if we keep reading in verse 6, it says, The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. This is one of those places where I like to uh, encourage men to be men. Right here we get evidence that Adam was right there, but he said nothing. It says Adam was with her, and yet he let Eve talk to the enemy and converse with the enemy and let Eve disobey God without even what we see, saying anything in defense for God. Just something to think about. But look at what it says that she saw when she saw the tree. She saw it was beautiful, that its fruit looked delicious, and that it would give her wisdom. That is the temptation Any temptation that you are going to face in this life, it usually falls into one of these three categories. It's the pride of life. The the desire for things that look beautiful. Or it's the desire to want to call your own shots. To want knowledge that is beyond what is available. Ever since she ate that tree, from that tree, that has been what we've been chasing after. We've been chasing after beauty. We've been chasing after power. We've been trying to define for ourselves what good and evil is. Think about some of the big debates right now that we are facing as a country. People trying to redefine what is good and what is evil. Go across the news. Look it all over. It's people trying to say, we don't want to define good and evil by God's standards. We want to define it by our own. We don't want to believe that we were divinely created. We want to believe this is all an accident. 
so that we can make our own decisions. We don't want to believe that God created them man and female, so we're going to say there's a spectrum, and we're going to, we're going to put people you know, into all of this confusion. We're not going to believe that there's really sin. You're all really good people. You, you've all got it figured out. It's just society has given you a bad hand. And so if we can just redefine society, we can figure out what good and evil is together. It's all going back to this. It's amazing how a document that was written close to 4,000 years ago that was probably more ancient than that, but just first got put into print, still applies today. It still is relevant today. And we still have the decision how we're going to face this test. Are we going to trust what God has told us, or are we going to try to define good and evil for ourselves? Here's what I need you to understand, that if you're going to choose to do it your own way, it's that sin brings shame. That if you choose to do it your way, you're really sinning against a holy God. And that sin will ultimately bring shame. It looks good. It looks like it's attractive. But it's very interesting when you give into that, how quickly shame enters the picture. How quickly we feel like less than because we've given in to something that our soul knows is wrong. In verse 7, we read, At that moment, their eyes were open and suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So, all of a sudden, they realized they were exposed. Their shame was there for all to see. And so, they found a way to cover themselves. But even in covering themselves, they made a mess of things. Like, it's so often, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we try to put on things for other people. We try to dress to impress, either literally physically or in the way we present ourselves to other people. But so often, seeking approval from other people is only compounding the problem. We're allowing them to steal our identity, and we are allowing them to define our worth, rather than going to God. And it rarely produces anything of good in our lives. When we say, I need to put on something to impress the people around me, it always brings shame. It always brings condemnation. Maybe not immediately, but it will happen. Are you depressed yet? Uh, are, you, are you feeling like this is meant? Pastor Gerald, I should have just stayed home. This, I should have just got my chips and nachos and w- waited for the game to turn on. I hope not, because there is good news. The most powerful part of this story is not the brokenness, is not the fact that the enemy showed up and stole the identities of our first parents. The most powerful part of the story is this. God seeks sinners. I hate, I hate the theology that's out there 
that God and sin cannot coexist. God is holy. There's no sin in him. But we're taught the holiness of God means that you can't stand in his presence with sin in your life. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that God is all-knowing? If that's true, do you believe that God knew that Adam and Eve had eaten of that fruit before he walked into the scene? Yes. What does God do? He walks into the scene anyway. He doesn't wait for them to come to him. He doesn't wait until they figure out how to make just the right fig coverings so that their sin would be covered. God realizes that they have broken his commands and he rushes into the scene. In verses 8 and 9, we read this. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I've been taking some time and trying to slowly read through the book of Genesis. I was actually doing this a lot last year and kind of redoing it again this year. And there's interesting themes that start to pop up. There's a word that you can't see here in the English because most English translations mess it up. It says, in our translation, in the cool of the evening breezes. Actually, if you look at that word that is breezes, it's the word ruach, which I'm sure you all are familiar with the word ruach, right? Now, ruach is this powerful word that can mean a breeze. It can also mean breath. But it keeps showing up in the book of Genesis as the word spirit. Genesis 1.1, the spirit of God was over the earth. The ruach of God. All throughout the creative enterprise, The Ruach of God was breathing life into creation. Man sins, and the Ruach of God is heard in the trees. It's heard blowing through. That's how they heard Him coming through. They heard the Spirit passing through the garden. They had sinned, and the Spirit was moving toward them, compelling them towards God. But instead, they ran away and hid. This is what I really believe about sin. God doesn't hate sin because it keeps Him from you. God hates sin because it causes us to hide from Him. When we sin, rather than turning to Him, our first impulse is to go and hide. That's what they did. And when God called out to Adam, where are you? It's not like God couldn't see through the trees. He wasn't asking because he needed information. I need to pinpoint your exact location, Adam. Where are you? 
I think Adam needed to hear God saying, I'm looking for you. If we keep following the story, we recognize he admits that he has sinned. He admits that he has fallen short. And then, God goes through a process, a process of laying out curses. Unfortunately, he couldn't just wipe away their sinfulness. He couldn't just say, okay, I'm sorry, you know, I I know this was hard. I mean, the talking snake and all that's kind of crazy, right? But but I'm going to give you a pass. No. He said, the ground is going to be cursed now. The interesting thing is, he doesn't take his image away. He actually reinforces it. If you look at the story from Genesis 1 and 2, we were created in his image. It's not that he made us to look like him. When you really look at what sets humanity apart from all of other creation, is that we have been given a divine prerogative to rule over this world. To be good stewards of creation. And God says, it's going to be cursed, but I still expect you to steward it. I still expect you to go out and work the land. I still expect you to take care of this creation. So even though the enemy tried to steal our identity, God brings it right back, even in the middle of the curse. And then he does something pretty amazing. Verse 21, And the Lord made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. God set a precedence. From that moment forward, it became evident that in order to cover over sin, blood had to be shed. They tried to make coverings with fig leaves. God said there has to be a sacrifice. There has to be an atonement. And God made the atonement for them. I really appreciate what one author Uh, Boyd Bailey said about this idea of God continually going after us. He says, The love of the Lord is relentless in its resolve to bring you into right relationship with Him. God completely pursued them. God completely went after them. He knew they had sinned, and yet He entered into the story. He sent His Spirit in to let them know He was still in the garden. And then, he reaffirmed the image. He told them to continue to rule and reign over creation. And then he himself provided a sacrifice to cover them. And he's still doing that for us today. This is the good news. He is still doing this for us today. Hidden in Genesis chapter 3 is a little thing that theologians like to call the proto-evangelo, which basically means the first gospel. 
Genesis 3, 15. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. Speaking to the snake, to Satan. I will cause hostility between you and the woman. Between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head. And you will strike his heel. This is the first allusion in all of the Bible to Jesus. That there was going to be a fight between humanity and the power of Satan. But there will be coming a day where even though Satan will strike Jesus' heel, Jesus would crush his head. Jesus would take away the fangs of death, take away the fangs of sin, and that we could be forgiven, we could be healed. We lost it all in a garden. Because our first parents said, we're going to do things our way. But 2,000 years ago, there was another garden. And this time, a servant of God knelt. And rather than saying, I'm going to define for myself what is good and what is evil, he knelt and he sweat drops of blood and said, not my will be done, but yours. And on a different tree, he allowed his arms to be stretched out as a sacrifice. Rather than taking the fruit that was in front of him, he became the tree of life. And today, we have this hope because of what Jesus has done. I don't know where you are in this room. I don't know where you are if you're joining us online. But I want you to see this. God is looking for you. God has made a way for you to be covered. A way for you to pass this test. A way for you to recognize that you don't have to do this in your own strength. A sacrifice has been made. The test has already been taken. All you need to do is accept the answer that was provided. The Bible's powerful, guys. I hope you are taking time to read it. I hope you take some time this week and read through the book of Genesis. Or at least get through the flood. That's where we're going next. It's a powerful book. And it's powerful because all the way from Genesis chapter 3 to Revelation chapter 21, it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's made available to us. It's all about the Spirit of God drawing us, breathing in us, changing us and transforming us. That's why we worship. That's why we spend time seeking his presence. And that's what I want to invite you to today. I want all of us to have this hope. So if you're here in this room and you've never accepted Christ, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Your sins have caused a division between you and God. Your sins have caused you to be on the wrong side of the equation. 
But God provided his son so that you could be healed, so that you could be restored, so that you could find your freedom in him. And so, God's looking for you. And I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer. Matter of fact, why don't we all bow and begin praying for those who might be in this room or who might be joining us online who need to hear this message. And if that's you, I would just want to encourage you to pray a very simple prayer. You don't have to use my words, but you can. You don't have to say this out loud, but I would encourage you to Pray something simple like this. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for my sins. And I also believe that God rose you from the dead. I'm sorry for my mistakes. I'm sorry for trying to define for myself what is good and what is evil. I turn away from my old life. And I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Help me to live for Jesus every day. God, I thank you for the new life you've given me. From this day forward, you have all of mine. As I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now let's take a moment, let's worship. But I want to start worship by taking some time to remember what we've just proclaimed. At our church, we have an open communion, and that's what we're going to do right now. What that means is you don't have to be a member of our church to participate. We just ask that you are someone who has called upon the name of Jesus. That you've accepted him as your Lord. So if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, you can, you can participate with us with no condemnation. But I do want to give all of us a moment to pause and reflect. Because we shouldn't take this lightly. So, whatever you need to do to set your heart right, please take a moment and do that. And while you're doing that, I want to remind you why. Why we celebrate communion. I pass on to you what was passed on to me. That on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. And he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. And in the same manner, after the meal, he took the cup. And he says, this cup signifies a new covenant in my blood. He was saying, my blood being poured out is going to be what's going to cover you. It's going to be what atones for you. It's going to be what helps you to be right with God. 
And he said, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we are remembering his sacrifice until he returns. So let's be faithful to that today. I'm going to pray over the elements and then I encourage you to take this whenever you feel your heart is ready. If you need a few more moments to pray, there's someone you need to make things right with right now, do that. But we're all going to stand right now unless you're not able to or not or just don't feel that you want to. But why don't we, if you can and are able, why don't we stand as we pray over these elements? And then you respond however you need to. You want to worship with the team? Worship with the team. If you need to spend some time in prayer right where you're at, spend some time in prayer. We're going to have a few people come up here um, and be prayer partners. And so if you need prayer for anything, come find one of our prayer partners. What I'm praying for you this morning is that as you partake of this communion, you will feel a fresh sense of God's Spirit coming into your life, a fresh anointing coming in. that You could walk out of here renewed and changed and excited for what God has for you this week as you allow the Spirit of God to speak to you through this moment, through this worship, through this act of communion. So let's do that together today. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you I thank you for sending your son. That he indeed did crush the head of Satan. But we, through this act of communion, remember that it cost him something. That his heel was struck. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken so that I could be made whole. Thank you for allowing your blood to be poured out so that I can be forgiven. Let me remember you every day. Let me remember your sacrifice every day that more of my life would be poured out to you. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. And if you're ready to right now, be a good time to partake of the bread and then of the cup. And together, let's pray and believe for a fresh wind to come over us. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Amen.